Welcome to Geographical Thinking, the podcast where you get ideas, stories, and conversations all through the lens of geography. I'm your host, Guan Yu. Howsound is a recent designated UNESCO biosphere just north of Vancouver. It is a beautiful coastal area with rugged terrain and rich biodiversity. Today, I'm talking with Bridget John, the program manager of the ATCATSUM Howsound Marine Stewardship Initiative. Her group has created a marine reference guide in a format of an interactive web map that has over 700 data layers, and the guide keeps evolving. Bridget, welcome to Geographical Thinking. Thank you so much, Guan, for having me. Can you describe the area of Howsound for our listeners who haven't been there? Sure, it's a magical place. Um, but first, I wanted to just acknowledge that I'm joining you, joining you today from Squamish, British Columbia, at the head of the Katzen Howe Sound, which is within the unceded territory of the Squamish Nation, who have been stewarding these lands and waters since time immemorial. So, a Katzen is one of the three Squamish place names for this fjord here, and it references the journey by canoe from Squamish out towards the Sound and into the Strait of Georgia. The Sound has this powerful Squamish River at the head of it, and the water is pushed from this river into the rest of the Sound. It passes by Anvil Island, Gambier Island, Bowen Island, uh, the Sunshine Coast, the town of Gibsons, um, past Horseshoe Bay and out into the Strait of Georgia. So this region is, as Guan mentioned, very biodiverse. It has tons of marine mammals. It has Pacific white-sided dolphins, orcas. It has seals, sea lions poking their heads out all over the place, salmon, herring. Um, the bottom of a cat's and house sound has eelgrass beds where fish can hide and eggs are laid. It has glass sponge reefs, which were thought to have gone extinct and are very unique to this area. So a Katzma house sound is very important to all these creatures that live here, but it's also really important to the people. So you'll see people out on the waters um, kayaking or scuba diving, taking the ferries across the Sunshine Coast. And because of this interconnection with the people and the creatures here, a really cool thing happened in 2021, September 2021. A House Sound was designated as Canada's 19th UNESCO Biosphere Region. Wow, that's a huge milestone. I didn't realize that I've been to House Sound until I look it up on the map. Like when we drive from Vancouver all the way to Whistler, the stretch uh, from Vancouver to Squamish, that's in the Sound, right? Yes, yeah, that's correct. That's on Highway 99, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, there's mountains either side of you and you can look out past into the sound and maybe you'll see a whale, maybe you'll see some fairies going past. That's wonderful. So Bridget, tell me what is the House Sound Marine Stewardship Initiative? So our group, for short, MSI, is a nonprofit based on Makeway's shared platform, which has over 70 different projects on it, us being one of them. Our vision as MSI is working to bring communities together to achieve positive outcomes that benefit current and future generations of life within a Cats and House Sound. And to do this, our mission is to foster ocean stewardship 
in a custom house sound and support regional planning and mobilizing tools, sharing knowledge and building community in this wonderful area. So the Marine Stewardship Initiative, we have two different program areas, um, one being research and monitoring and the second being education and engagement. And these are tied to this report that came out in 2017 and 2020. Um, so we're working to make sure that this information is fed into our decision, decision support tools, such as the Marine Reference Guide, which is our online interactive map with over 700 data layers. And so this information is, is working to um, help to build a comprehensive and holistic understanding of the Katzenhaus sound from the bottom up and supporting the decision makers and transforming that knowledge into action. Right. I'm really blown away by the 700 data layers in an interactive map. But before we get to that, can you talk a little bit about the context of this initiative? How did it come about? Yeah. So to answer that question, um, maybe first I'll take us back in time a little bit. So we've had a growing settler population in this area. And so this area has seen a century of rapid industrial development leading to lots of pollution and environmental degradation over time. So the past 50 years, um, Haosan was quite a different place. There was um, industry that was bringing in benefits such as uh, wealth and job creation in the area, but this has caused a lot of degradation to our environment. So I think it's important to note that um, at this time, the regulations and laws were followed, but luckily that we've uh, learned from this and we've able to remediate the harmful effects of industry through pollution and mitigation um, and habitat restoration. So um, in Akatsum, we've seen this area bounce back from being this dead zone where not much life was thriving. And now we're seeing a revival of biodiversity in the area. With this, we've started to see a resurgence of the charismatic marine mammals, such, such as orca, Pacific white side dolphins, humpbacks in the sound. And the resurgence of these mammals is a really positive sign of the ecological health and biodiversity in the area as well. So I think with this revival, we're seeing a lot of people and organizations uh, you know, stepping up to protect the area and working to restore a catsum. So that's where MSI fits in. And so in 2017 and 2020, OceanWise, a global nonprofit organization, created two reports called the Akatsum House Sound Ocean Watch Report. And these reports are synthesizing data that pertain to various ocean indicators and communities about the actions that local governments can take to improve ecological health in Akatsum House Sound. And so within this report, the first action was to create the Marine Reference Guide. And so that's where our project was born. And the goal of the Marine Reference Guide at that time was to build this online interactive map to display both the spatial and non-spatial data in the area to increase the stewardship, or stewardship in the area, um, the education, the community engagement, all to help with planning in a custom house sound. Yeah, for this many stakeholders to come together to protect the ecosystem of house sound, it takes lots of data. 
and it also takes lots of coordination, which makes the Meringue Reference Guide astounding. And it has more than 700 data layers. Are there any of thoughts of using, like, you know, why using that as the format versus some of the other ways where, you know, policies and reference guides are are used to written in? Yeah, it's a great question. So I also want to mention that our project was not created in a silo and that we really worked with other groups that came before us so that we could build on what was already created because there's no point in recreating the wheel. So we've worked with many groups such as West Coast Aquatic based on Vancouver Island who have their own marine reference guide. We've also worked with the David Suzuki Foundation who have created a marine conservation map in a capsum and the Strait of Georgia Marine Reference Guide. I think we chose to ensure we had an online interactive map so that we can make sure that all these different um, data layers from all these different entities are brought together and visualized in a way that we can see where the ecological, the socioeconomic, and the cultural data are interacting in space and time. Sounds like instead of creating everything from new, the project did for the Marine Reference Guide is become this integrator from all of the stakeholders, from communities to put everyone's data and knowledge together onto this interactive web map so people can start to look at it more holistically. Yeah, for sure. We have um, lots of local indigenous and Western scientific knowledge. One of the really neat layers that we have currently is the Squamish place names. So we have three Squamish Nation youth that have helped to bring in the Squamish Nation place names into our map so that when you open up the map, you'll see these Squamish Nation place names at the forefront. And, you know, that's something we really wanted to do to increase reconciliation in the area. As previously, these Squamish Nation place names were part of the land before the settlers came in and started naming these areas. So we want to make sure that these names are also included in the area. So the guide also become a 2 eyed seeing platform, as you referenced on your website, bringing these Western scientific knowledge as well as Indigenous knowledge onto the same platform so people can see them side by side. Within our map, there are, again, over 700 different data layers. There are spatial data layers. So if you open up the data layers tab, you'll see analysis layers, you'll see boundary layers, ecology physical layers, uh, there's municipal infrastructure, there's tons of different layers that you can explore that are spatial, but there's also non-spatial data layers. So within our map, once you open it, you'll see these PDF icons and there's seven different PDF icons. So eventually in our marine reference guide, we will have um, narrative reports. These narrative reports were from surveys and interviews that were conducted in 2021 asking people around a custom house sound what they value, what they value for ecological reasons, for social reasons, for cultural reasons, for um, other reasons such as that. And so this can really give meaning to these areas for people who may have never been here and can help with the decision uh, in the future as well. Sounds like a living encyclopedia of the area and that you integrate all kinds of information and knowledge into. And 
700 and growing data layers. That just sounds a lot. I, I can't get my mind out of this number. It must be a humongous project to coordinate all of the stakeholders. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so it has been quite a bit of effort to make sure that we're including all the different uh, data layers in our map. So we're just making sure that we're talking with each different stakeholders. We're working with the Squamish Nation in the area. We're working with regional governments, uh, municipal governments. We're working with other nonprofits to ensure that the data that should be in the map is, is in there. And we're making sure that the data is continuously being updated as well because to create the marine reference guide is one thing, but uh, we need to make sure that the data is always being updated so that decisions can be made um, in the future as well. Can you give us some examples of how the data that Marine Reference Guide have pulled together supported the decisions that are made about the future of how sound? Definitely. So as I mentioned in 2021, a cat sound was designated as a UNESCO biosphere region. The Marine Reference Guide has really helped to inform that designation and they were able to use data within our Marine Reference Guide to accomplish that designation. Um, the Akatham House Sound Biosphere Region uh, is working towards uh, increasing the biodiversity conservation in the area, increasing education, research and monitoring, and just working towards this through sustainable development as well. So we work really closely with them. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the UNESCO Biosphere Region is really working to ensure a balance between people and the environment in the area. And they're working towards this by implementing the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, one of which is being SDG or Sustainable Development Goal 14, Life Below Water. And so that's where the Marine Stewardship Initiative and the Marine Reference Guide, our map, fits into that. So the Marine Reference Guide has also helped to inform a lot of uh, grassroots marine conservation and is supporting processes led by the Squamish Nation and other regional districts. Um, one of the examples, another example I can give is eelgrass. So eelgrass is one of the species that we've been researching as the Marine Stewardship Initiative. And so eelgrass is really important to the area. It provides a lot of habitat for the species that live here. It's grown where steep and rocky cliffs are. And eelgrass provides habitat to a lot of juvenile salmon, Pacific herring, Dungeness crab, rockfish. Um, so there's lots of different species that use it. And it's a really important area to protect. It's also really important to the Squamish nation as well. So in 2019, the MSI surveyed the area in Akatsum for eelgrass to fill this knowledge gap and to implement this data into the Marine Reference Guide so it can be used by different local governments, for example. So a local government called the town of Gibsons, they took this data and implemented it into uh, their policy and management um, uh, for the town of Gibsons Harbor Management Plan. So they're able to use this information to figure out where they should install signage buoys, where they should limit activity inside conservation areas to motorize or to non-motorized vessels, 
um, and kind of working towards creating and identifying areas to remove marine debris around eelgrass beds as well. Wow, this is a story really like using the data to identify the data gap to gathering data, serving it, bring it back in, and that really help push forward some of the policy changes in the area. That's that's inspiring to know. I, I want you to talk a little bit about their surveying and data updating piece because are GIS tools used in some of the ongoing surveying programs in MSI to help filling the gaps and keep data up to date? Yeah, definitely. Um, we are using Survey123, which is one of Esri's tools. And we're using that, for example, in our marine debris research. So to go back in 2019, there was massive storms that came into a Cats and Howe Sound. And typically every winter, there's huge storms that cause absolute havoc on docks, on trees, on different marine infrastructure. So this spurred in 2019 to kind of figure out where there are marine debris in the area, where there's big blocks of styrofoam or different uh, boats that have been derelict and left from different storms. So that data was that data was collected in 2019, and there was a recognized need to update this data. And so in 2022, the summer of 2022, we had a marine debris research coordinator that came on and was able to put out a survey, uh, survey one, two, three, to ask people where they see marine debris on the water. Um, and this was mostly from seagoers on boats that were able to report this uh, data. And so this data now lives within our map. Wow, so it's a citizen science like reporting tool that anyone who have access to um, this app, I assume, or the survey can key in the information that they see on the ocean. Yeah, and the cool thing is, is that the survey that went into the Marine Reference Guide was able to be used by Metro Vancouver. And they were able to look and see where the marine debris was located in the sound and send a barge out to collect the marine debris. Things like tires and styrofoam debris were picked up. And it was a huge community effort from community members all around Akatsum House Sound that created piles of debris ready for the barge to come and pick it up. I'm continuing to be blown away by this story. And I think the one word that comes to my mind is live. You know, maps, as we usually associate GIS with, is this static or, you know, coming coming from way back when, decades ago, when GS started. But this is a live example of how data are so live and people are interacting with the data, updating the data and making decisions all off the off this one platform that's live and changing on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge collective effort and we couldn't do it without all the people around this area that care for it so much. What's on the roadmap for MSI in 2023? Oh, the roadmap. Um, well, we have, as I mentioned, our survey and interview data coming out very soon, and this will be in the form of heat maps. So we'll be able to see where people value uh, the area for different reasons, whether it's ecological, economic, social, or cultural. So perhaps people value this area for uh, scuba diving areas or for paddling or for cultural reasons 
And so I think this information, once it's in our map, will really help to inform decision-making in the future. Thank you very much, Bridget John, for coming on to Geographical Thinking, and we look forward to your new content releasing in this year. Thank you so much, Guan, for having me. Bridget John, Program Manager of the Howe Sound Marine Stewardship Initiative. This podcast is brought to you by Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations by the science of wear. Bye for now. <laughs>